Finland has become the 31st member of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, or in short, NATO. What does that mean for the international state order? In this episode, we'll find out. My name is Emre Shentuk, and welcome back for another podcast episode of Esito Magazine. So, let's get started. One of the most important developments in the last couple of years from an international uh, politics perspective is the enlargement of NATO. NATO stands for North Atlantic Treaty Organization and was found, uh, founded in uh, 1949. Now with Finland joining NATO, uh, it sparked much controversy because even in the, um, yeah, in the run-up to this um, yeah, membership, There was uh, much debate around, yeah, should Finland or also Sweden was also in the talks join NATO in order to, yeah, uh, kind of further the enlargement of this, um, yeah, security organization. And the reason for that is that historically NATO was basically a response to the forming of the uh, Soviet bloc meaning that it was kind of a Western counterweight in terms of uh, security policy to the uh, communist or socialist regime of the Soviet Union, meaning there is a very deeply enshrined uh, ideological component to the founding of NATO. Over the years, NATO became bigger and uh, obviously is centered around um, a mutual uh, security pact of European countries, um, kind of in a sense that when one country is attacked, that all others are obliged to, to help and join forces on the side of the um, defending NATO nation. So it is, it is also a very unique organization. Um, such security organizations are, are kind of recent if we look at the international state um, history. Obviously, there have been alliances around for quite some centuries, but in this form, uh, that it forms kind of a block of, of uh, many nations of different kind of um, cultural backgrounds with different cult cultural backgrounds and, and histories and also objectives in the international state order. This is kind of a unique development and a unique uh, organization and pretty successful in that as well. Opposed to that, when the Soviet Union collapsed, basically Russia um, stood alone against, uh, against NATO. NATO didn't dissolve, uh, the need was still there, basically in order to keep up this um, yeah, security construct. And in this whole development with involving Finland and Sweden um, in the enlargement, uh, enlargement discussion and process, The problem was always that Russia basically felt that the NATO is expanding east and to more towards um, the Russian border, triggering security concerns there. Yeah? In the case of uh, some kind of tensions, Russia has basically um, a big disadvantage because all the, yeah, um, the NATO border yeah, is basically bordering um, with Russia and they have better access and direct access to um, yeah to the russian mainland so there's no buffer zone or something like that with finland joining now the nato we have 
um, a direct land border obviously it's very um, inaccessible uh, due to, to uh, natural conditions but nonetheless I mean there is another border and another opportunity to kind of um, enter Russia obviously Russia had uh, big problems with that in the run-up to this whole uh, situation and it was never desire, uh, desired by by Russia and um, basically an in unacceptable move from their perspective um, Sweden didn't join so far but nonetheless this move yeah triggered some controversy and there are two mainstream opinions on this move and in this episode I'm going to explain to you why both of them are more or less wrong yeah so there are some assumptions that are not not quite right um, it is and let's maybe start um, Let's maybe start with the Russian side because uh, we talked about the historical development that is kind of this, uh, this ideological, um, where this ideological component plays an important role. And what we can see is that Russia continuously warned NATO and said, well, guys, look, we accept that you have the security organization and it's perfectly fine. And you can do whatever you want, but please do not expand eastwards. And the NATO said, all right, we don't have any intention of expanding uh, to the east and so, so on and so forth. Basically, um, with including Ukraine to talks, membership talks, and also supplying Ukraine weapons and so on and so forth, the argumentation often is that the ongoing conflict in Ukraine was basically triggered by NATO troops and uh, NATO weapon, weaponry uh, positioned and placed in Ukraine, which Russia wanted to prevent or respond to. And um, yeah, instead of, of Ukraine becoming a member of NATO, Russia wanted to invade uh, Ukraine first, because in that case, NATO is not is not going to um, pull uh, a member into a security organization that is at war with one of the yeah, most powerful nations in the world. So that would trigger a large scale, uh, scale war. And before in peacetime Ukraine becomes part of, of NATO, Russia wanted to invade this, this um, country in order to prevent that, but also to kind of counteract the eastward movement and, and kind of um, create a new, neutral ground. So if you remember, when the conflict in Ukraine started, one of the main dema uh, demands was uh, the demilitarization of Ukraine in order to create kind of a buffer to the NATO bloc. So that is the argumentation that the eastward movement of, uh, of NATO has triggered, actually provoked the Ukraine war. I totally um, think that this is a valid point kind of uh, pushing towards the border and um, yeah, expanding towards uh, a country with an antagonistic view and, and stance towards yeah, the own alliance is a provocation. It often proved as a valid ground for, for war. Could have, yeah, Russia uh, reacted a bit uh, more professional where there are other ways uh, potentially, but we do not have the whole um, yeah, pool of information within all those um, developments. For example, um, when I just talked about yeah, NATO placing um, weapon systems in Ukraine, you know, there is 
little evidence you know to to kind of substantiate that i mean it, this is this is just a, a, an assumption and based on some kind of um uh, vague uh, comments but there's no clear evidence but i assume that this is one of the reasons why russia invaded ukraine so the argumentation by russia is please do not expand eastwards you know we feel kind of uh, yeah pushed into a corner you know we have security concerns And many other countries and actors in the international state uh, order also kind of uh, defended this view. Turkey, for example, actually as a NATO member, uh, actually vetoed the membership of Finland and Sweden in uh, before. And these kind of decisions uh, need to be taken, um, um, yeah, unanimously. Turkey kind of blocked. The membership uh, at first but now um, also um, yeah uh, turkey kind of um, approved it in the end making it possible for finland to join so there is kind of this view saying that well nato everything fine but you might go a little too far with expanding to the east and yes there is some truth to that but we are actually in an international state order where power and power politics play an important role. This is not to say that this is right, but this is the realistic and current view. Maybe you've read my book Devlet. Uh, highly, I highly recommend it to you because um, there is also a very, very extensive uh, chapter on uh, what drives states and state behavior. The current situation is that power, a monetary or military power, are yeah those motives behind state uh, state behavior, and because that is the case, Russia should have done or could have done a better job establishing their own uh, yeah security block. I mean, there is the Shanghai Cooperation Organization that kind of is a counterweight to NATO. However, this is by far not as strong of a cooperation and um, yeah, organization in the sense that there is um, so much substance to it as, as NATO. For example, the, the budgets of NATO um, are far greater, membership count is far greater than that. The obligations uh, in the NATO treaty are far more extensive than what the SCO, so the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which China and Russia are part of, actually um, entail. So Russia could have done a better job of building their own bloc. They could have expanded towards the West if they had aspirations of securing the border. They could have built a stronger border and, and uh, place Yeah, their military more prominently at their own borders, kind of flexing the muscle and saying, guys, do not come here, right? Plenty of ways to do that. So afterwards, you know, kind of crying about, yeah, NATO uh, expanding east and saying, well, you promised that, we are not, that you're not going to expand east is kind of a weak move, yeah? if, we, um, if we have to be honest. You can 
basically also say, well, uh, this was the goodwill of the Russians, of course, understand, but there was also the, the, the Crimea movement, uh, the Crimea, Crimea move and annexation, um, where they tried to, to regain some territory there. Uh, but in the end, it was not that, it was not that strong, you know, strong of a response to uh, what NATO did. So this argumentation of saying, well, NATO provoked Russia is obviously true. There is provocation, but in the end, the system is designed in a way that allows for that. And if the other player or the other actor in this game is one or two steps ahead, then this is your own fault, basically. And there are plenty of ways for Russia to expand or was um, actually in the run-up uh, or the last couple of years to extend their, their security cooperation in, in other areas of the world, which would have deterred, obviously, NATO um, enlargement. Maybe it would have encouraged NATO enlargement, but in the end, then you would have um, yeah, a greater counterweight um, against this enlargement. So... I think this is a kind of a weak argumentation and uh, if they would have been a bit smarter about that the whole Ukraine conflict would would have not been um, uh, necessary but in this case obviously there is some some validity uh, to the invasion of Ukraine from the perspective of saying that NATO is moving and pushing towards the east obviously. And then on the other side, proponents of the enlargement say, well, we need to uh, bolster ourselves against the Russians. This argumentation is equally false because the security organization is a defensive pact. But if your argumentation is that enlargement is used as a deterrence or kind of um, a, a terrorizing method against another power block, such as Russia, or let's say in other cases, uh, China or any other country. So you have a defensive pact and you utilize it to go against another power, powerful actor. Then it's not a defensive uh, organization anymore. Then it becomes offensive. And once that happens, you cannot really blame someone to... Yeah, wage wars and also try to expand by, by violent means. But if the argumentation would have been, we, are, we as NATO want to enlarge because we know the securitization also helps us to develop economically and uh, from a societal perspective, then that's totally fine. I mean, there is... Uh, there's also much validity in Finland and Sweden joining NATO because those two countries are culturally very similar to the bulk of NATO countries of, of Europe, basically. And because that is the case, it only makes yeah, culturally sense that they are part of NATO in order to support themselves. I mean, similar countries helping out, uh, each other out is a good thing. And if you have kind of the knowledge as a country that you are backed or kind of um, supported that you are not going to be attacked or if you are attacked that they are going to support you, your, um, your allies, then obviously the economy and the society can flourish.
because you don't have those security uh, considerations that, that uh, kind of bug you all the time. For example, in Turkey, Turkey is part of, of NATO. We, don't, we do not have to fear kind of um, another country invading us. The reason why we are economically and societally behind the other countries is that non-state actors are uh, basically violently uh, atta attacking Turkey. Terrorist organizations um, and also yeah, other criminal uh, organized crime at the borders. There are rogue states that kind of indirectly harm uh, the border region, uh, regions of Turkey. And this is actually not covered in NATO. So there it does not work, but we do not have to fear that, for example, um, yeah, uh, let's say Armenia or Syria is going to attack us um, because we can rely on the support of our allies. But as I said, Finland and Sweden as well and all the other European countries being part of NATO in my opinion, it's totally fine, but the argumentation cannot be that we are basically using this enlargement to kind of defend ourselves against Russia, but rather to build up the securitization in order for our economies to flourish, to have the security and, you know, one kind of worry less on our plate. That's valid. The other one is invalid because in the end that would make you um, an offensive organization provoking other countries and then in the end um, yeah, leading to, to conflict. So there is much controversy about it and I think um, it is in the interest of NATO. Obviously um, this organization needs to kind of further their own interests and that's perfectly fine. And I also understand that this goes against the interests of other countries such as Russia, but they have to further their interests um, in turn. So that would be the way for Russia to go and not to complain that NATO is expanding eastward. Now certainly this begs the questions, where do we go from now? It is, it is, it is, it is very... Yeah, it's a very uh, sensitive situation, to be honest. I mean, we're talking about international state constructs, but in the end, nuances basically decide about, about conflict and then peace, basically. But what needs to be understood is that obviously, if NATO continues to provoke, they're going to get a response. The Western countries cannot simply act as if there's a power vacuum existing in the world, which is definitely not. And obviously they can enlarge, they can also pull Ukraine into this, they can expand and enlarge as much as they want, but they also need to think about the consequences. They also need to kind of shape their actions with a certain goodwill in order to reduce those uh, uh, consequences, which NATO is basically not doing. And the consequence of that should be that Russia is looking elsewhere for, for allies which are much stronger than most NATO members. For example, Russia, China, India, those three, three countries, if they start to cooperate more closely, then um, NATO has to think twice about yeah, 
yet another provocation. And what I think is going to happen or is more and more coming to the foreground is that there is a major power shift. As you know, I'm a big fan and uh, I'm 100% favoring a multipolar international state order, meaning that we have regional power hubs that kind of um, have related countries yeah, in their influential zone and um, those regional powers balance each other out. So we have kind of um, yeah, a dynamic balance between those, those regional uh, superpowers. But we are basically not, not moving to this, but rather back to the bilateral uh, international state uh, order when we think about um, Russia and, and China cooperating more closely. The difference is that this time China and also India, but also the, the East Asian um, economies are much stronger than um, in the last, uh, last century. So we might see an altered version of uh, multipolarity uh, in the world, which is, which is not as multipolar as the ideal state would be, but we are moving kind of towards it. Meaning that this also will cause some sort of uh, economic disconnect as we are seeing right now. The West has basically turned its back on Russia and its resources, but also business and finance uh, has moved away from Russia. And these sectors need to kind of reorient themselves in um, other areas of the world. So first, first places that Russia is going to look to is uh, the Middle East and uh, where Russia had um, yeah, great relations actually with Syria, Iraq, uh, Iran and and. Uh, Saudi Arabia, but also to China. So power and money is shifting. And the problem with the Russian geography is, however, that the political center and the societal centers of Russia are on, on, the, on the western side of the, of the country. So this is why NATO enlargement is still going to be an issue for Russia because it's very accessible to Western powers if they continue to be uh, offensive towards towards Russia and even a reorientation of Russian political and uh, economic power towards other other regions of the world is go not going to be sufficient to kind of um, yeah to say okay well uh, we build our own world somewhere else. Uh, because it is so close to the West. But this is a necessary shift. What else can Russia do? I mean, the, the geography is quite clear and um, the countries at, at uh, Russia's border are also um, yeah, uh, pretty much antagonistic um, towards Russia, except for, for Belarus. So Russia has no choice but to look elsewhere and build their security and defense capacities um, elsewhere in the world. Is that going to be? Um, yeah, is, is that going to be? Is that going to ease the situation? I don't know. It might build up the tension uh, more and more, but it's also yeah dependent on how the West reacts. I think the most logical response by the West or NATO in this case would be 
you've provoked Russia enough. Russia needs to turn its back on the West. It needs to look elsewhere and build the capacities elsewhere. You've practically reached the point as NATO that Russia knows, okay, well, this is the point where we cannot go further west. And uh, this is the end of the road, basically. And NATO needs to understand that and also needs to make a cut and say, okay, well, this is the end of the road for us as well. Because at some point, if you provoke them even more and you're seeing that Russia's response is on the other side not sufficient for their survival or their societal development to continue in a meaningful way, you basically leave them no other option but to attack uh, attack you. And then obviously you can frame them as uh, the bad guys, etc., etc. Fine, but it does not change the reality that too much of this power politics is going to harm you in the long run. At some point, you'll it's just like eating. At some point, you're full. No matter how, how good it tastes, uh, you need to stop eating. Otherwise, it's going to harm you. And because of that, it is going to be very interesting um, how fast Russia can readapt and... Uh, how they are going to um, how they are going to respond and how fast they're going to build up capacities elsewhere. And last question or last development that is very important here is what is going to happen to Ukraine? I think I think even if there is actually no long-term solution to it, either Russia takes Ukraine and that's the status quo, or the West is going to integrate uh, Ukraine into NATO. And I think such such things or compromises as demilitarized zones and no flying zone, you cannot demilitarize a country that's not possible. Otherwise, it's not a country anymore. It's like yeah, a whole big, uh, big buffer zone and this is not going to work. This is also not right. I mean, people living there. Uh, so it's going to be an either or situation and because Russia knows that obviously um, yeah, Russia will will look to um, capture Ukraine this might lead another wave uh, or lead to another wave of conflicts and so on and so forth but uh, Ukraine matter is very important even if we have a neutralized situation a compromise about Ukraine in the long run this conflict is going to flame up again so this is also a very fragile situation. There is a lot of speculation about what's going to happen. We will see. As I said, I think both sides are kind of wrong and we need to adapt a different lens to it, be a bit more realistic about it. And um, yeah, I think peaceful solution. It's a bit late for that, unfortunately. But nonetheless, I hope you liked the discussion. Let me know what you think. Um, comment down below or um, yeah, write me an email. I would be very happy uh, to receive your, your input, your opinions. And yeah, until next time for another podcast episode of the Magazine. So take care, have a good one and bye.